0: Hello, and welcome back to the CCIRA Literacy Conversations podcast.
1: I'm your host, Molly Rao, with my co-host, Jessica Rickert. Today's podcast features Jason Oleskovich. Jason is a teacher in Colorado who, after teaching 20 years, was frustrated with education and took a year off. He's back as an eighth grade social studies teacher with a new perspective and enthusiasm for teaching. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for being on our podcast. I'm so excited to dive into your background and kind of give teachers a different glimpse of maybe what they're going through. So, can you start us off by just a little bit of your background, teaching and personal?
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Jason Oleskovich. I've been in education for 20 plus years. Um, I think I'm one of the rare folks who kind of knew what I wanted to do from a young age. I can remember being in a third grade classroom as a third grader and kind of just daydreaming about what students would call me because I had such a long, unique name. So even way back then, I knew I was going to be a teacher. I wanted to uh, be a teacher in the school year and drive a purple rig, uh, a semi-rig during the summertime. So I had it all planned out. (laughs) But uh, I didn't do the semi rig, but I did end up getting into teaching. Um, And uh, I was uh, in a middle school actually doing a long term sub job, I thought I wanted to teach high school. And uh, I had moved back from California in October, there weren't really any jobs, and started to cover for somebody who had lost uh, their mom, and just fell in love with sixth grade. And I never left middle school after that two-week time. And uh, I've been in a middle school teacher ever since.
0: All right. And part of the reason we invited you on here is um, we wanted to talk to some of those teachers who are struggling right now about kind of leaving the profession and coming back. And so even though you say you've been a middle school teacher, and I know you've been a middle school teacher kind of in your soul ever since, you did... Choose to leave briefly, um so talk a little bit about like that decision to break away from something that you knew early on was your life choice what what lead, led you to think temporarily that you wanted that you had a change of heart?
2: Well, this is an eight hour podcast, right? <laughs> because that's about how long it would take to go through all of the reasons. <laughs> no, keep it short. <laughs> Oh, it's so, it's so complicated. And actually, you know, n- knowing that I was going to come on, I tried to, to just pinpoint what were some of the main reasons. Um, and, and you're right. Technically, um, you know, I guess it hasn't been 20 plus years in a row because I, I, I had a point where I'd been in the classroom for about 20 years and just felt like I needed a break. Um, I started to think about the other side, the other life, my friends who weren't educators and what they were doing and, um, you know, looking almost like the grass is greener type of thing where uh, what would it be like if I wasn't doing this? Cause I I had done it for a long time. And I, I don't think that I ever considered it before I had been there for a while. And I think that was important for me. Like I needed to be true to who I wanted to be, which was an educator. And after 20 years, that's when my eyes started kind of looking elsewhere. Um, again, lots of different reasons. Um, one of the reasons is, I, you know, as as we all do, we grow frustrated. And there were frustrations with educational technology. And I wanted uh, ed tech to be simplifying my life instead of complicating my life and having to jump through hoops and having people tell me why I couldn't do this and that with things that I felt very passionate about. Uh, frustrated me um uh, uh, you know other other adults too uh, you know i said to my to my learning coach just last week that i want the adults in my life to make my life more efficient professionally to make my life easier um i don't want people to create work for me so the the feeling that people were creating where i have enough work i don't need you to create work for me so that was kind of something that was frustrating to me um and and really just kind of looking at an opportunity to have how much time and passion I put into my job maybe equate to how much money I made. You know, I hadn't had that for so long. Um, you know, it was one thing when I got out of college and my, and my friends were making 45,000 and I was making 30, you know, whatever, no big deal. I love what I'm doing. Um, but when your friends are making 200 and you're making... 55 or whatever, you know, then you start to go, huh, let me check that out. And I, did, I really did. I, I would I would not be truthful if I didn't say I also had a great opportunity. I had somebody who was a lifelong friend who was in the mortgage lending business, and she uh, was able to say, hey, come on, I'll help you out. I'll teach you Um and I had a little bit of uh, risk mitigation because of that. And the leap was easier also. So that, in fairness, needs to be said. Um, and I just was ready to explore. I just felt like I was ready to explore. Uh, my, my principal at the time even came up to me. He goes, I've got your resignation. I'm going to go submit it. Are you absolutely sure? And I can remember feeling I've never been so sure in my life. And then one year later, I was back. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I remember when you came back, um, so a little background information for listeners, um, Jason and I have worked together for years. Um, and he was my mentor when I was a shiny new teacher and he was an awesome one. Although I will never say that to his face. Oh wait, dang it. I just (laughs) slipped. Um,
2: Uh, I'm glad this is recorded.
0: (laughs) When he, you came back Um, I remember there was, I don't know if it was a department meeting or if it was whole building, but I remember you said to the rest of the staff that you wished every teacher got that opportunity to like take a year and go away. Um, And so what was it during that year that made you realize that you needed to come back? Because I know like long before you'd actually got hired back you were you were back in the building all the time you were taking sub jobs um and you know he still looked like a realtor he was dressing (laughs) way nicer than he dressed as a teacher you know not not that Jason's a sloppy guy he's pretty pretty tidy dude but um you know you were back all the time and like trying to make an impression because we had a new principal during that time and so you know you were you were present and so what was it that made you want to come back be in that building all the time and apply for those positions and poor guy he had an interview I get to be on his interview committee and judge him hardcore
2: yeah that's interesting to come back to your peers who you've taught with for so long and have them all be you know looking at you um, in an interview committee um, can I want to step back to because I want to answer that question but I want to say something else to your point of of every teacher should step away. And I still believe that I wish we had something that allowed teachers to step away and get that breather and get that perspective change, Um, because it did just that for me. It changed my perspective, it changed my mentality. I needed the break, Um, but here is the most important thing, is it connected me with my community. And it sounds really weird, but it's actually maybe doesn't to this audience, where as a teacher, I am probably as much a part of the community and you are as much a part of the community as anybody. Yet we sit in those four walls, confined and isolated, and it's very difficult to know what's really going on in our community. Sure, we can have a parent-teacher conference night here or there, But the one thing that I got out of that year is I I was around the people in the community, the businesses. I knew who they were, who was running those businesses, what was going on, what their needs were. Um, And I heard all of those community conversations that I just didn't get to hear as a teacher. And it connected me in a way that made me feel so good, but it made me feel so sad because I felt as an educator, I should be that connected. I should feel that connected. And I think that that's another reason why I would love for teachers to have the opportunity to step away because the community is who we serve and we should understand, we should have the opportunity to involve ourselves and to get to know those folks Um, and what's going on in our community instead of just being so isolated. That's one of the rubs about being a teacher is that you are, you know, it's actually one of the good things, but also the rubs. I tell people all the time, you get to be the king or the queen of your castle in some respect. You know, and the autonomy that you get in the class classroom makes it magical a lot of the times. But um, you also miss out on a lot of what's going on outside those walls. To answer your second question or your point, which was about why did I return? Um, as much as I enjoyed what I did, and I, there was, I did not come back because I wasn't liking it. I actually really did enjoy the mortgage lending that I was doing. Um, and I hope this comes across the right way. I was, I was bored, and it wasn't, I wasn't bored in the sense I didn't have work to do. I had lots of work to do. I was bored in the sense that going into an office and sitting at my desk and having occasional interactions with some people was c- so insanely boring to me compared to what I had lived every day in a classroom with those 120 kids hustling and bustling and the needs and the fires that you have to put out and um, all of the craziness that comes with it, it wasn't there. And I was bored. And I didn't. it took me a while to, to realize it. And I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest with you at first. Um, but what comes with that is that your bucket doesn't get filled. And, and that's why I came back. I I didn't have that that love and that I wasn't needed. I wasn't needed, you know. Um anybody I, this is no offense to, to anybody that does any other job, but you know, any somebody else could have replaced me in a second as a mortgage lender I feel and it's harder to replace a passionate teacher who is good at what they do and connect with kids. That isn't somebody that you just plug in. And so that bucket filling and that relationship that, that I'm able to build, I, I couldn't get that. And about Christmas time, we were all sitting around the office and we were decorating for our Christmas party and um, we were talking and reminiscing and I was telling some stories and somebody looks at me and they said, I, don't, I still don't understand why you even left teaching. The way I hear you talk, I don't know why you left. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, I don't know why I left either. And at that moment, I started to kind of figure out how I could make my way back.
0: Awesome. Well, and what you said about being bored resonated with me because, I mean, as you know, this was my second career. So, you know, I started in a museum, I was doing some education stuff, I was working in a lab. And I was bored because, you know, again, there's plenty to do, but it's just, it's just not the same as the very dynamic challenges you get every day working with students in a classroom. And every year it's a new group of kids and there's new pieces that come with meeting those individual needs. And I remember that was one of the things I really loved about teaching when I gave it a try, um, was just that it was this constant challenge. And so I just felt engaged in my work in a way that I hadn't felt engaged in my previous work. Like it was good work. It was interesting work. I still have fun stories from it, but it, yeah, like you said, it didn't fill my bucket. Um, And, you know, I'm different than you in that I thought I like if people asked me if I wanted to be a teacher, I was like, heck no, (laughs) never. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was, this shock to me to go, Oh, I am a teacher in my heart and soul. Um, And, you know, I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but I resigned from our school back last year and wasn't planning on staying in the classroom. I had other plans. Um, And I impulsively put my name in for a position in a nearby district. um, And then was offered the job pretty quickly after, you know, got an interview quickly, was offered the job. And I actually went to Jason and said, you know, give, like, what do you think? And he he was definitely instrumental in me taking that position. Um, and, you know, I, I did some other things, you know, I made sure I went and got to go visit because it was a Zoom interview with COVID and stuff. But I definitely walked away from that. Meeting after I went to visit and told them I would take the position. And I got to the parking lot and I was like glowing because I was like, I'm still a teacher and I still feel that. And so, from my perspective, sometimes we do need changes. You know, maybe you're in a place that just doesn't fit you anymore. And so, I think it is okay as teachers to go look for something else to get some perspective because, you know, it's possible maybe I go try this other school and maybe by the end of the year, I'm like, you know, I missed where I was at, but right now I'm very happy where I'm at. And I think I made a good choice for me, but I think as teachers, we need to recognize that too. Like if it's not working, either figure out how you can get some perspective and stay where you're at. So Jason went back where he'd started because that was a good fit for him. And I think you're pretty happy there. Um, And I made a change and I'm happy with that change for myself. So I think we all have to find the right space and place for who we are too. Um, Speaking of that, so, you know, I know a lot of the things that frustrated you when you left haven't necessarily changed. They're still there. So now that you're back, how do you cope with that ch- those same challenges, how does your perspective having left help you recognize and sort of let go of some of the things that got to be too much before? Because I think I have some of the same challenges where I'm at right now, but just the perspective of having thought I was going to leave and now being back somewhere else, like there's things that I can let go in a way that I couldn't before.
2: Yeah. Well, first off, you're too good of a teacher to not be in the classroom. So I'm super glad that you took that job. And and this is probably a whole nother topic. So we obviously won't get into it right now. But protecting our, our good teachers, it, it should be a priority. Um, uh, you know, teacher retention, I think, is going to be an issue going forward. And that's something that I'm sure you guys have talked about or will because it's important. Um, but I think I mentioned the word perspective earlier. And I realized when I was gone, all the things that bothered me so much didn't seem like they were that big of a deal when it wasn't in my life anymore you know the little frustrations the little rules here the little things there i they just weren't that big of a deal in in retrospect and that's just just uh, uh, that's just because i was removed from the situation you know everything with just feels like it's, it can be overwhelming then there's too much and just another thing and you get piled on and when you remove yourself from that all those th- little things are just what they are little things and i made a commitment to myself when i returned that i wasn't going to get myself wrapped up in in those uh, uh things and and i've done that pretty much and so um i mentioned it earlier but i'm going to say again you know i i feel like i can have a lot of autonomy in my classroom and I can just kind of put my head down and do what's best for kids and the noise while I respect it and I'll follow rules from administration and other people um I I can still do that just put my head down and do what's best for kids because that's why I'm there um and and I I don't I don't I don't if there's not like anything more complicated than that I committed to to not listening to the noise as much and and that's where I'm at now
1: I love that, like gaining that. I wrote down perspective too. That's a big theme. And I think that's very helpful. And it just seems to be more noise and more noise. I think the noise has always been there. And, you know, back when I was in first grade, there was the reading wars and it feels like we're back in the reading wars. And, you know, you do have to follow some of the things, but then you also want to do what's best for kids. How do you... Like what resources or how do you know what's best for kids? Because I know I just heard teachers are now going to TikTok for (laughs) lesson ideas. And, you know, in the past, it's teachers pay teachers and Pinterest. So where do you get your knowledge of what's best for kids?
2: I have a I have a PLN that I that I look at in my my. Um, professional learning network really is Twitter focused and I will pull a lot of stuff off of Twitter and what's going on and what people are using. You know, uh, EdTech is is something that, again, I'm very into. And so finding out um, through hashtags and just uh, chats and other things, um, that's where I get a lot of my stuff. But I'll, I'll also mention that I completely recommend people to trim your PLN and trim your Twitter people because I have had uh, I had such a robust, great uh, stream and feed, and over the years I I had to pick people who were starting to be toxic and tar- starting to you know take all take on too much negativity, and um, I was actually starting to maybe. <sighs> get off of, of Twitter a little bit. And, and when I started doing that, it made it so much better. So please, just a little bit of side note, you know, it's fine to remove people who are not feeding into that, um, that same wavelength that you are because I do want to see what's going on. I do want to know what's best for kids. I do want to see what other people are doing and incorporating that. Um, and then this might sound kind of weird, but what's best for kids is sometimes just listening to your kids. And sometimes you know, it's not outside of your classroom. Uh, I have lots of conversations with my students about where we're at, where we're going, what they need, what's worked, what hasn't, what they want to do more of, what they don't. And that drives me more than anything externally. And I don't know if that's unique or anything, but that's the, my kids drive um, what's best for them because it's different every year. I have a totally different group this year than I did last year and I need to do different things. Um, you know, the, I'll give you I'll give you an example, and, and hopefully I can connect it. That one of the things I'll start off with at the at the beginning of the year, doing expectations and procedures, is I'll mention to my eighth graders, you know, I'm not going to teach you how to school. You you know how to school. It's been eight years. You know, we're we're going to get into content pretty heavily quickly, um, and I, we don't really need to do all this stuff. You know how to do it, but with COVID and our hybrid schedule and our remote learning, I. I had to teach him out of school. We I mean, I had to step back, and you know, I still have training wheels on now that I normally wouldn't have, and it's needed. And that structure, and um, the reminders of of how things go, and how you talk to people, and how you respond, and the expectations, and the the rigor that you need to have um, that maybe wasn't in place over the last year and a half. All of those things are what they need right now, and it, it's it's based on. You know, Just discovering from them and, and talking to them and seeing they're, they're falling down. And I don't want to say failures, but you know, they're, they're um, the things that are going on with, with them. I, I have a lot of kids who I don't know what it was. It, I don't know if other people had this, but I feel like they just got to a point where they didn't think if they were online, if they were on a computer, they felt like they didn't have to do the work. And they got used to that. and And when they come into the classroom, they still have that mentality that I can choose to do it. Um, it doesn't really matter. There aren't any consequences. Nobody's watching um anyway. And just kind of the reminders of character and and who you are and how you present yourself and the things that you do um matter. You know those big picture things, my kids need a lot of that now, and they didn't necessarily need that every year before. Well,
0: and I'm seeing that same thing, you know with my freshman and sophomore. I'm having to spend a lot of time teaching them how to school and, you know, doing some of that character building stuff. So I think I think that's something we're probably all seeing at a lot of different levels. You know, we have a conversation regularly that our sophomores haven't really had the high school experience yet. So, you know, this idea that they know how to do it already, they don't because they didn't get to experience a normal year that way. Um, It's funny earlier when you were talking about the. Ed tech stuff and, you know, letting some things go and just thinking, um, one of our good friends that, you know, used to be on our social studies team with us very temporarily, you know, that we did our silver linings thing. She told me, I'm not allowed to say this. So I'm not, I'm not going to name programs or anything, but you know, there's a system that I used a fair amount, but never loved. Um, and another one that I did love that we weren't allowed to use anymore in our old district that I now have the paid for version of. Oh, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure why anyone pays for it. The paid for version is absolute <laughs> junk. And so I spent so many years being angry at a learning management system and I don't care what you pay for. They're all dumb. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that you weren't allowed to say it. You said it anyway.
0: Well, but yeah. I didn't name it. So she said, I can't say that I missed the old one, but I missed the old one.
2: That is so funny. Can I tell yeah. you a, sh- a short story that you're welcome to edit out if you need to? But I was just looking at my profile when I was joining this meeting, and there is one link on my profile. One link, and it is that to that learning management system that you thought you were going to love. And I haven't used it for like eight years. I don't even know why the link is there. So weird.
0: I still, I still think it has the best assessment system of any of them, but oh, man creating assignments through there. Like I don't have students turn stuff in with it at all anymore. I have them use a Google form because it's that much easier.
2: It doesn't even tell you,
0: like if a kid resubmits something, it won't tell you, you have no idea. So you have to have some secondary system to be like, Hey, did you resubmit any of your work and correct it? So if you're sitting out there as a teacher and you're frustrated with some silly things, like, you know, that your district won't let you use Google classroom or you have to do this or you have to do that, I can tell you right now the grass is not any greener anywhere else like just all all those things they really are just extra things that we need to let go because it's not it's not better anywhere else
2: yep i'd agree with that
1: well and i feel like that's the same you know i come from an elementary background And it's program, math program, social study program, reading program. And it's the same with that. You know, it's always we're looking for this next best program. And you put it so well, it's about the kids. You know, you need to have the expertise coming in and continue learning about how to teach math or reading or science or social studies, whatever you're doing. But also you've gotta have the kids at the forefront. And I think That's where a lot of it's getting lost is we're mired in, you know, legislation and program implementation and paperwork. And we're not having conversations about what do my kids need and what did this year's kids need that maybe last year's kids don't need next year's kids might not need. And I don't know. So I love that you put the focus back on kids because that's why we all got into education. It was for the kids. We didn't think, oh, I just I just want to do all this paperwork and deal with all these (laughs) systems and try new programs every five years. So I think that would be advice that you kind of didn't explicitly give, but saying, you know, really focus on the kids. Like if you're frustrated and I know a lot of teachers are frustrated right now and we're end of September, so you know, you're two months into school and you're pulling your hair out, it's going to be a long year. So refocus back on the kids because they need you and they need you even more now than they did because of coming back from COVID and wherever they are socially, emotionally, educationally, that's the main, main focus to keep putting in the forefront of your mind.
2: Totally. I did something too that, that, um, I did it, The year before last, and I'm going to continue to do it. And that was just a journal. And to write something down each month about my relationship with the kids, where I was at, um, how it was all flowing, what was going right, what was going wrong. And over the last couple of years, it's been so interesting to go back and, and look at what I wrote and realize and remember, you know what? every year is pretty tough in eighth grade when you're in September and October. It's not just these kids. It's, you know, it, it just give yourself a, a second in November when, you know, you're doing these things that um, are going to have some payoff later on. That's when you're going to start feeling good. And every year it seems to follow that, at least so far. And I love that reminder from my very own self that it's coming, you know, relief is coming. And I think sometimes when we're looking to grab any kind of life raft, sometimes we can grab the life draft from ourselves. If we um, have those conversations and can go have something to reflect back on.
0: Well, and I actually like that you mentioned, you know, like just doing that, like once a month or, you know, not all the time, because I actually, um, I took some professional development over the summer and want to, you know, some like stuff on just Self care and, you know, keeping that positive mindset as a teacher. And one of the things I got from one of my classes was about journaling. And so they talked about that like daily gratitude journal that some people do. And they said, it actually said that's too much because it starts to feel inauthentic if you're pushing for it every single day. They're like, you can do that, you know, for a little while, but don't push yourself to do it every single day because it's inauthentic. But they said journaling periodically has a huge boost in, you know, just your ability to sort of reflect and be positive. And even like if your journal is not positive and you're talking about all your frustrations, just getting it out there and even being able to look back on that. Um, So they said, you know, if you do it once a week or once a month, but a periodic like habit of journaling, whether you're focusing on the positive or you're just getting all your feelings out has a huge boost on your feelings about kind of how things are going so you know if you're out there as teachers give it a try obviously it's working for Jason Um, I remembered to do it I think twice now so I haven't done very good yet (laughs)
2: I'll
0: work on my habit
2: I didn't have high expectations for it. If if I'm totally honest, one of the things that one of the reasons I did it is because it was going to be one of my goals for the year. And I was having a hard time coming up with something, something else. And um, it was something that I'd heard probably on my PLN from somebody else. And I'm telling you, I, there isn't a week that's gone by this school year where I haven't thought about something that I wrote either last year or the year before, like every, every week I'm thinking back to something and, you know, getting my mind right and and kind of just getting back on uh, solid ground from myself about uh, where where I should be uh, mentally and, and uh, you know, not to get too foo-foo, but it's just been, it's been really powerful and I didn't expect it.
1: Well, and Tina Bugrin talks about, and I think she was presenting more about new teachers, but I think all teachers go through this ebb and flow and it's crazy, the graph you can point to and be like, yep, that's when I was frustrated. That was when I was frustrated. That's when I was frustrated. So just to let everyone know that you're not alone, like we've all gone through this in education and I'm going to put my CCIRA plug in now. Cause I was at a Jeff co CCIRA event and I asked them how did they feel before they came in and when they left? And it was powerful professional development because Sometimes we go to professional development and it doesn't lift us up, but some really good professional development that you've picked for yourself too, because I think that's helpful if it's self-selected and also being around your peers, because I think people have done a lot of professional development on Zoom and it is isolated the last two years and you don't get that energy. And so thinking about finding, whether it's through CCIRA or some something else and taking a colleague so that you can kind of re-energize yourself that way. And everybody that goes to the February conference says, it's exactly what I needed. Like, I come back in January, I'm ready to go. And then February that, you know, midweek in February, I just need this zing to kind of boost myself and I'm ready for the rest of the year. And it's also nice that I'm around other colleagues that feel the same way too. Yeah,
0: I I mean, I know there's teachers who conferences aren't their thing, so I hope they find their thing. But I mean, I'm sure Jason can attest to the fact that, like, I go to my conference and I come back with 50 gazillion ideas and I'm super excited. Um, You know, he's got his like... Constant flow of ideas from Twitter and other spaces, and sometimes, oh man, working with him could be so frustrating <laughs> because he'd like have all these things, and I would just be like, Jason, slow down. And I, you know, I I like to think I'm somebody who jumps in and tries stuff, but the pace at which this man adopts new things and jumps in and tries stuff, or like you know, when I was shiny and new and had way more energy than I have now, like he's exhausting. He has a yeah. ton of
2: energy. It, it was it was too much. <laughs> I've, I've had to, I've had to purposely slow myself down and sharing stuff with people, which is fine. Which just fine. I don't need to share everything. i find. That's
0: good. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you found some balance there, but he's, he's fantastic. And there's so many things that he had me jump in to do. So like have your people in your building that are going to push you. Um, I'm definitely a better teacher because I had Jason around to push me and challenge me and you know that's that's the thing i miss the most having changed schools is i don't have my people um i've definitely had days where i like came home and cried because i don't have my people and so that's a hard piece so wherever you're at and you know any teachers out there struggling like find find your humans find the ones who are pushing you and getting you excited and sharing new ideas um because that's that's part of what i think keeps you happy and in the job and hopefully i will find my people in my new building but in the meantime i will just text and call my old friends and make (laughs) them go out to lunch with me every so
2: often (laughs) you will one of the things that that worked really well for you and i was that fact that we we're different we we don't teach the same way we don't have the same um way of doing things uh and that was so needed for me as well um because you can when you are isolated the way that we are sometimes you can just get too caught up in how you do things and sometimes the complete opposite works well too and reminding yourself of that and taking a little bit of that scoop of flavor and that scoop of flavor over there to add um can spice it up a little bit too in your classroom and and get get you through some of those um, drums of you know February that we were talking about, or whatever else. Um, so, colleagues are super important. I totally agree. And our new folks need to find their people too, especially those new folks. Can you tell I'm on kind of a? I have a theme here of those young teachers that I'm so worried about. I need. I want them to stay, and we need to find ways to keep them.
0: Yep, my new buddy at work is a second-year teacher, and so I kind of want to make her go for walks with me, and so we get rejuvenated by sunlight before we sit down and work that's awesome um so there was something else I was thinking of and now I've forgotten um but so hopefully anybody listening has heard you know as we've talked through this just some little ideas again definitely find your people I mean I can say last year when I was still in the same building as Jason some days he would just wander down um during some common time that we had and hang out in a room with my teaching partner and I, and we'd talk ideas and share thoughts and it was nice to see him. So have your people to go decompress with, to share ideas with, to push you. Um,
2: And and to whine, honestly. yeah. Like you you need to have somebody that you trust that is going to take it for what it is. Um, Because just releasing that to somebody else who's not your spouse (laughs) is super important. I love my wife, but she doesn't understand what we do and what we go through. And, uh, you know, it just isn't the same. So, and and she doesn't need to hear that anyway, because I can, I can get that out before I go home. Um, so having somebody trustworthy that's going to take it for what it is and not judge you. And it's okay to be honest. And it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to have all those emotions that come with this job.
1: And on the flip side I think we all know those teachers who are in this negative space all the time. And so I think like Jason did with his Twitter feed, you've got, I think I totally agree. You need that person that you can kind of talk to and kind of let stuff go because you don't want to put it on your kids. And then once you verbalize it, most teachers, okay, I'd let it go. But you know those ones that are just negative, negative, negative. And I would suggest just avoiding them. You don't need to be mean about it. You don't have to be confrontational. But if you can identify that and it's bringing you down, then I think make sure that you're taking care of yourself, too, with that.
2: Agreed. Yep.
0: And with those, some of those teachers, you know, maybe give them some moments of your best, most positive self. And, you know, don't get stuck in that tornado of negativity uh you remember do you remember the tornado of negativity jason i do that takes, that takes us way back
2: that does I've,
0: I've seen some of that in my new school there's lots of above the line and below the line conversations
2: i used to teach a whole class that was based i on know that. you like did I had a whole elective that was based that was so cool that was so fun that's another thing if you ever get an opportunity to open up a new school that is one of the best revitalizers ever it is just so thrilling to have a new building a new um a new vision and just everything fresh it's just really cool so if you ever get that opportunity over your over the course of your career do it
0: yeah and i get to you know it was the second year but i still felt like i got to start with that oh. you know shiny new building opening like culture where we were trying to build something and it was sure. it was pretty awesome
2: and the conversations, like, what do we, what do the kids not get? You know, we, we give them math, we give them language arts, we give them social studies and science. What do they not get? And those conversations led to our personal finance curriculum and our top 20 curriculum and the things that are really needed that don't always find a home. That was cool.
0: And if you're not opening a new building, still have those conversations. See what <laughs> yeah. kind of culture you can build right. into your... Into wherever you're at, because I think in my district, I think part of the reason it feels like such a positive, cool place to work is somebody at at the district level really thought about what do we need to change in our culture to make this a positive place for our students and to make this a positive place for our teachers and everything I felt starting in that district in the first few days were about culture and community. And so whether it's grassroots, you're in your building and you're trying to help people kind of find a common purpose and to build a positive culture that benefits your kids, like go for it. And, you know, maybe you start with just one good teacher friend, or maybe it's, you know, just a couple, but start something, inspire each other, build something together because, you know, maybe, maybe you'd be at a district where I'm at, like where I'm at, where Someone up top is building a great culture and sending it down, but maybe it's something that you need to be build from the bottom up. but I think we have some power to make this profession great again and not not get stuck in all the crazy politics and things that can make it hard, so all right. <laughs> Any any last thoughts, Jason, before I ask you the hard question at the end?
2: <laughs> no, I really enjoyed this. I appreciate having this conversation with you guys. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's an important conversation to hear because I think a lot of a lot of us out there are struggling. And I, you know, I thought you had a good perspective having left. And I know I'm feeling like I have a better perspective now, having made a change. And so I hope I hope our perspectives can help some other teachers find their happy place and stay in it. So good teachers stay in this profession and don't walk away. Right. Um, all right, so the hardest question okay. that ever gets asked on a podcast, okay. who are some of your educational heroes who have kind of inspired <laughs> you and influenced the work that you do every day?
2: Uh, um, I've been so, uh, so blessed to have Great teammates I really have, in all the schools that I've been at um, uh, I, you know i I had a, a mentor, Trudy Woof, who is over at Windsor Middle School, and she taught me how to teach and you know i i I love her and will always remember those all the time she spent with me. um My earliest hero educationally was somebody who I did my student teaching for, and he was. He was Colorado Teacher of the Year, his third year teaching. Think about that. That's crazy to me. And I was always just so mesmerized. And somebody told me, I wanted to go teach. for. I had heard that. And I said, I wanted to go do my student teaching for him. And I went over to my cooperating professional or whoever it was. And I guess that's probably not what you call it, but whoever it was over at CSU. And I said, this is who I want to do my student teaching for. And they like, they're like, he'll say no. He's, he never takes anybody. And I said, I'm going to go ask him. And they're like, okay, whatever. And I sat down and I had a conversation with him and he goes, absolutely, let's do it. And um, I just I just from the littlest things, don't don't chase papers. You know, I'll always remember that we don't have papers as much anymore, but your emails are your papers these days. Don't don't. Don't leave that stuff. And we were always constantly um, taking care of stuff as it came up with the kids too. And I'm not talking about disregarding the kids when your emails come up, but taking care of business in an efficient way because his big deal was go home to your family, go home and spend time with them. You know, this, this is a very important career, but you don't give up your family for it. And just learning to try to be as efficient as I could at school from him, I, I so appreciate it. He also had this thought, Um, and and I guess it ties to perspective where he really believed in teaching someplace for three or four years and then leaving. And he did that. He would, he would go to different places after about three or four years. And I think what he was experiencing are those things that we've talked about, those little bulbs, those little lights that come on when you go to a new place and, um, your perspective changes. And, you know, I, I, understand that more now than I did back back then, because I was like, I like my school, I'm not leaving, I don't want to go anywhere. But I I understand why he was doing that now a little bit more. So I think he'll always be kind of at the top, I just had so much respect for what he was able to accomplish. um, And what he taught me, you know, I was a student teacher, that was that was my first dip in the pool, so to speak. Well, and
0: doesn't he wrote a book, didn't he, Jason?
2: Yeah, he he wrote a book. Um, he wrote a book with a professor over at CSU. Um, and I I'm spacing out the name because it's been twenty. I'm old. I'm old. Gosh, that book's probably twenty. You don't have to tell old. me.
0: I've been calling you old for years.
2: <laughs> right. Um. I wish I could remember. Uh. It's right on the tip of my tongue. As soon as we hang up, I will remember what the, what it is. But um. Yeah, he was, he was, he's a good dude. He's, he's not in Colorado anymore. Again, he off was off to other places every few years. Well, and if I find
0: the name of that book, I'll put it in the show notes for anyone listening. So you can find a link to it. It's probably out of print now,
2: but good it name. was still,
0: it was still around when I was shiny and new. Cause I remember you and I talked about it.
2: Yeah. I still have a, I still have a copy on my bookcase in my classroom.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So awesome. And and when he says Trudy, I have a fun story about Trudy Wolf. So again, first year teaching, you know, same district. And Trudy was my sixth grade teacher. So I had her way back in the day. And she said, you know, if I needed anything, call her or text her. And we had our back to school night. And after back to school night, she and I went out for coffee. And I said, all right, Trudy, how do you handle this? And I said, I had a kid who's sitting there picking his nose as he's talking to me and then reached his hand out to shake my hand at back to school night. And, you know, I was—I didn't want to embarrass him and I wanted to be his nice new teacher. So I shook his hand I was like, how do you handle nose picking? And of course, she gave me some great advice about how to politely redirect some kids so that their, you know, <laughs> nose picking is, you know, not not affecting you. And I'm sure that's why. So, Jason, um, I know that's why you go out and wash your hands in the hall like every five minutes.
2: Um, I used to get kicked when we when we were doing competitions on our watches for steps. They would kick me out of the competition because they said I was unfair because I was going to wash my hands. I was prepping for COVID before COVID was a thing.
0: Yeah, Jason's been prepping for COVID for life. All right, Thank you, Jason. It was really nice to get to talk to you and, you know.
2: Spend some
0: time with you for this interview. Thank you for sharing all your awesome thoughts. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to CCIRA Literacy Conversations podcast. To find out more about CCIRA, go to ccira.org. On ccira.org, you can join as a member or find great resources. Like our professional development blog, which posts every Tuesday and has a variety of guest writers on an awesome selection of topics. CCIRA is a professional organization of educators and community members dedicated to the promotion and advancement of literacy. We also have a Twitter account at Colorado Reading. You can find us on Instagram at CCIRA underscore Colorado Reading. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we also have a members-only group that we're trying to build. And our Facebook account is CCIRA Colorado Reading. We'd love to hear more from you. And again, if you're looking for new content, please send any questions or things you'd be interested in seeing from CCIRA to CCIRAvideo at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.